Welcome. It is the Boiler Basketball Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I am your host, Jared Jessalitis, over there, my uh, co-host, Jeff Julep. We're going to spend a whole hour, uh, just you know, not that I haven't ranted about it a whole bunch in the last hour, but a whole hour talking <laughs> Big Ten and Boilermaker hoops with you. Purdue off of back-to-back losses on the road, uh, capped by last night's frustrating loss against Maryland. Uh, a lot of uh, fan finger-pointing on uh, what exactly is going on. Uh, a lot of fans want to say that it is the officials. Some fans want to say this team needs to be tougher. They need to play better. Um, uh, some fans just say, hey, listen, it's just hard to win on the road. It's, it's hard to put a lot of this stuff in perspective, Jeff. Uh, I, in the immediate aftermath, uh, I had to delete a couple of tweets last night. I know that. I was I was frustrated <laughs> watching some of this stuff. Um, and my frustration started with the officiating. Let's, I mean... It's two bad nights in a row that um, clearly has had an effect on on Purdue. I'm not I'm not objective objecting the uh, the take of Purdue needs to be tougher. Purdue needs to adapt because they they do in those scenarios they have to do it. But that doesn't mean that just because they're not doing that that negates my displeasure for the way the game has been officiated the last two games. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think the big thing is, you know, we're four months into this season. We've played 27 games, and we just haven't seen this out of our, our basketball team, especially losing back-to-back games, and, you know, and, and especially the way they've been losing them. I mean, you know, to have the Northwestern game in hand the other night and then to have a nice eight-point lead against uh, Maryland last night, and then all of a sudden it gets turned around basically when an official takes over the game, and they called the – the technical on on Mason. Let's let's be real though. That was probably a. I, I don't have yeah, a problem absolutely. with that one absolutely. being called, but that was a reaction to the frustration of you know clearly they didn't think that they were going to get a fair shake hit at any point in that game. That's that's where it gets to me is uh, when, when with the officiating. It's one thing to have them not call stuff, but I, I think the last two games there has been. Um, they're, they're swallowing your whistle and then there is allowing it to kind of degrade into a, a street fight where somebody's going to get hurt in the post. Somebody's going to get hurt on the rebounds. And it's getting dangerously close to that right now. And it's done a couple of things too here. It's not sending Purdue players to the free throw line and is not allowing Purdue players to get the offensive rebounds. Two categories where they have excelled and two categories where they've been able to extend leads on teams all season long. And because of the way that it's getting called now, that is being taken away from them. And it fundamentally changes what Purdue needs to do to win basketball games, and it just takes away from their strengths. And as a Purdue fan, you got to be upset about that. Yeah, and it's tough. And you, know, you saw the other night against Northwestern that they were actually face-guarding Zach, which is totally illegal. You're not allowed to do that. And and then it puts a lot of pressure on, on, the, on the guards. Uh, you know, bottom line is Purdue's got to start making some shots. I mean – you know, you shoot what fifteen percent last night against against Maryland. You shoot twenty two percent against Northwestern from the three. I mean, you know, you've got to start hitting some open shots. And in that Northwestern game, you hit a couple threes in that game, and you know, you basically put that game out of reach. And same thing last night. They're daring people to hit three. And and you know, and, and I'm really concerned about Fletcher because he's playing so well. From, he's played so well, and and he's driving the ball and getting the ball to the hole and hitting the anything inside the arc. He seems to be able to hit, but boy, he has just went stone cold from beyond the arc. And he's such an important part. You know, you know, last year we had Sasha that could get hot and and light him up with three pointers, and and Fletcher had been that guy so far this year, and and right now. It, 
the three-point shooting, they all look a little hesitant to take those threes, except for Braden Smith, who, you know, who had a fantastic game last night. So, yeah, they, they've got to start making some shots, and, and I think what's going to really help this team is some home cooking, and you're going to get uh, that on Sunday when you play a really bad Ohio State team who's lost seven in a row, and you've got three of your last four games at home. Great chance for the Boilermakers to finish very, very strong and head in the Big Ten tournament. Well, and two things, too, and I think it's very evident in Fletcher at times, is they teams are doing a very good job of speeding Purdue up coming out of that press. It seems very – and look, normally at the beginning of a game and you're on the road, it's a hostile environment. It gets a little helter-skelter there, as Doc Emmerich used to say all the time. Um, that, you know, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. It's a, it's a little bit tense and, and you're moving way, way, way too fast. And that's what teams have been trying to do here is to move them, uh, up tempo and, and put that pressure so that they can't run around in these sets kind of freely come off, uh, off the screen and hit the shot. That's what Fletcher lawyer wants to do, right? It's kind of come off those screens, run through and have that open three. Now he seems a little bit hesitant because the guards are just closing in on him a little bit faster. What I would like to see more of and what I think both Northwestern and Maryland looked ill-prepared for is when they get that double team into Zach, um, you know, they're trying to fill some of those passing lanes and then they will have to leave somebody open. And they're assuming that player, like a Fletcher lawyer or Brainsmith, is going to take that shot from out there. I would like to see more dribble to the inside because I don't feel like some of these teams are getting the rotation that they need to, and they look ill-prepared for both those guards to drive. Now, you know, Brandon Newman's a guy that can do that. Hats off to him. I think uh, I've been I've been a little critical of him uh, on the uh, last show that I thought he needed to play a little bit better. His minutes were down, but he gave you 17 minutes last night. Played much better defensively, I thought, at times, and hit a couple of good shots. Took better shots uh, this week than he had uh, in the past week. But I'd like to see a little bit more uh, penetration there off the uh, dribble from the guards because I think that opens things up a little bit, and teams just aren't really fully prepared for, you know, for that aspect of it. It just seems like the tape says, yeah, they'll shoot the three there, so let's just force that. Well, Jed, a couple things to, to your two points there. First of all, the press. Um, you know, if you watch Purdue come down the court when nobody's pressing them, they get the ball across the timeline with about a second to spare. They just go up very slow. They're doing the same thing with the press, but I think what teams are doing with this press, they're trying to wear Purdue guards down. Because the Purdue guards are undersized. You've got Smith, who's a smaller guard. You've got Fletcher, who's 6'4", but he's he's not all that built yet. You know, he needs to get in the weight room. And they're wearing these guards down for the end of the game, and I think that's an impact. And then to your other point, Matt Painter mentioned exactly what you said. Teams that double-team and triple-team are really bad with rotations. They're really bad at it because you don't do it. If you watch Maryland the rest of Big Ten, they're probably not going to double any, you know, in the post. Maybe against Illinois might be the only person that they have to double team. You know, you may see a little bit of that against Jackson Davis on, on Sunday, but, you know, on Saturday, I should say. But anyway, they are not good at that, and you are absolutely correct. Purdue has to start driving the basketball the hole because you're right, both both Northwestern and Maryland looked really unprepared when we did drive the ball to the hoop. And, and that's why I think there's been an uptick in Brandon Newman minutes because I think Matt Painter is realizing this and he needs somebody that's much stronger uh, off the dribble. Because you go back and you look, uh, back at the beginning of January, he was you know doing 16, 19, 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden it's down to like 10, 11 minutes a game, four minutes against Iowa, that's all he got in for. And now the last couple of games, Northwestern 22 minutes and Maryland 17 minutes, that Northwestern a little bit more foul of a product with, of foul with, trouble with, with – uh, 
with more. But I felt like that he was kind of trying to get him going a little bit to change that aspect because, um, like exactly to your point, I feel like the rotations are bad. I just feel like it's not something that these teams are prepared for because if you are looking at the scouting report, yeah, you know, Braden Smith can be pretty good. Uh, but you don't think of Fletcher Lawyer. You think of like Ryan Klein, right? That's not a guy that's going to yeah. drive the ball mm-hmm. on you, and then all of a sudden you find out that he kind of can do that. Yeah. Um, I, I think he just needs to have the the confidence to do that. But, yeah, when you talk about coming up and breaking the press, they did a good job of that last night. But what another thing that does is when you get over that timeline is now you already have that guard out there. So instead of just walking up there and then, you know, looking to the sideline, getting the call, getting the instructions, instead you're kind of running around, you're hearing that, and, and you're worried because now there's that pressure in your face. And you just can't walk up there and get into the set like you normally like to do. Now, you look at these two games here, and um, clearly it's been hard for, you know, Zach come out and, and set the screen or anybody else come out. Mason's come out and set the screen, start working these things because the guard just can't seem to get to the point where he wants to to have that, uh, that, that, that player come off the screen and get him the ball and, and move into the set. So, you know, it, kudos to these other teams for figuring that out. Uh, I think Purdue can figure out a way to get around that. It's just uh, they've got to learn just to calm it down a little bit. They got to live in that fear. They got to be comfortable playing in that, and they'll get there. But um, yeah, that's what they've done the last these last two games, especially. They have sped up Purdue's offense, and you know by the time they can finally get into some kind of rhythm, we're already down to like 15 seconds left on the shot clock, if that, and that cuts down your chances for getting an open shot. Absolutely. And, you know, but like I say, you know, when you look at the schedule, three of the last four games at home and uh, playing a high state this week, I mean, who would have thought that that uh, coming home and playing a uh, a high state basketball team who's 11 and 15 right now, uh, you know, would be something the Boilermakers are looking forward to doing. But, uh, you know, it's absolutely something they need. They need to get that crowd back and they need to get the confidence back. And I'm so glad this happened now and not the NCAA tournament because there's plenty of time, as you just mentioned, to get everything fixed and uh, and be a uh, Good, good team in the NCAA tournament. Don't give me the stuff from last night that uh, this team didn't play good enough to win. Uh, we, we, the things we talked about, limiting the turnovers. How many did they have last night? Seven? Seven, yeah. Right? And, like, four of those were had, in the first, like, yeah, five minutes. Like I said, they had four right? in the first five so minutes. So they had those great runs and everything, too. But, you know, Maryland goes, what, like, eight minutes and six-minute run. These these massive runs without committing a foul. Um, I mean, it's just you're fighting with one arm behind your back and a lot of times it's because a Maryland player is holding it down while you're trying to rebound. Um, it just it, it it you can tell it's on their faces that they don't feel like that they're going to be given a chance to win the ball game. And if you just don't think that that's not impacting things, well, I'll tell you what: bring the rent payment, bring the mortgage payment, come over to my house this weekend, let's play cards, and I'll deal your whole cards face up. And then when you lose, I'll tell you, you know what? You just got to figure out a better way to play poker because exactly. you're not very good at this. You just got to find a way to fight through it. Um, look, it's it's not the reason they lost, but let's face it, it's a it's a pretty big factor. They've been able to find ways to win those type of games. They weren't given the chance to try to find uh, a, a way to win that after the uh, Mason technical. That thing went off, and yeah, I, I think when you talk to the refs like that, Zach did a lot of it last night, and Mason did it too. I think they remember, and I honestly think that they hold a little bit of a grudge here, and that does not help you. We're going to take a break. Coming up next, Alan Karpik is on the way from goldenblack.com. We'll talk with him. Nate Barrett's up in a little bit as well. Stick around. we got a whole hour of Boilermaker Hoops talk coming up on the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Welcome back. This is the Boiler Basketball Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselitis. That is Jeff Julik. This does not count as group therapy, but it does feel close enough to it <laughs> as we talk uh, Boiler Hoops all hour long here. Alan Carpenter's on with us 
on the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline from GoldenBlack.com. It is uh, must-read stuff here when it comes to your Boilermakers. Uh, you know, Brian Newbert back in writing now, which has uh, been fantastic. Uh, you know, Carmen's uh, over there. Uh, you, you got, um, let's see here, well, you got Tom Deanhart covering football and doing a great job, and spring football's right around the corner. And, of course, all the great stuff that Al turns out as well. Alan, uh, great to talk with you here on a uh, Friday. It's, uh, boy, it, it's been a week. It truly has. Um, there's a, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of, um, it, it just, we're all in a bad place right now, Alan, it feels like. Well, uh, it's finger pointing by fans. I mean, and, and, and uh, that's fine. Uh, that's part of being, a, you know, being a player of the big 10 and having a, having, having a lot of people interested in what you're doing. Uh, you know, I think that the key thing for Purdue right now, I thought Braden Smith said it well after the game last night, it's, it's one game. Uh, we're moving on, and uh, that's what they got to mentally do. Now, that's easier said than done, especially the way that the last uh, two games have gone, the last four minutes of the game against Northwestern, and or like, really, the last three minutes, and then, of course, uh, what happened in the last 16 minutes uh, on uh, Thursday night in, in College Park. But uh, this team's going to have to mature and find a way to, to get, past, uh, get past that and move on. And you know, it's just it's in one of those deals where these games have been rock fights. We've talked about that. Uh, Matt Painter's talked about the officiating. I'm sure you've talked about the officiating. Didn't think the officiating was all that much better last night. Uh, but Maryland uh, knew what it had to do, did it, and ran away with an easy win. And, Alan, you know, the good thing is that all of Purdue goals are still in front of them. I mean, they're in a really good place as far as the Big Ten standings go. You know, at 12-4, and four, only have four games left, three of them at home. Most of their their challengers are have only played fifteen games, and they've got five more games. Not to mention the Big Ten tournament seeding and the uh, the seed, which we'll see this weekend when the early uh, reveal comes out. And I still think they'll be a number one seed. But oh, you know, yeah. what does this team need to do? Do you just think the fact they're going to be home for three out of the next four is going to go to help this situation? Because right now they they seem to be a team that has lost that mojo and and don't have the confidence when it goes to comes to shooting basketball. Well, and I think that happens on the road when you get, uh, for lack of a better word, out physical, if that's such a word. And that happened at Northwestern as well. It, you know, whether you think the officiating was egregious or not, and it was, uh, I think almost from a, a non-biased perspective, but still, you know, these teams have, have done this. And, and pretty just, you're right. I think it, it, they need to get the confidence back that comes from playing, from, comes from making shots. Teams look great. When you make shots, uh, you know, Purdue had some issues against in, in the win against Iowa during this four game stretch, uh, but uh, it made shots and it looked good scoring the ball, as they say. So, you know, when you're only scoring 50, you know, 54 points, that's an, that's an unheard of number with this team, especially when you have the best player in the country. Uh, but I just think it's got to get back to conference. And that's a, that's a legitimate question of whether that's going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying you just click your fingers and it's all there for you. Uh, but by the same token, uh, this team has shown some uh, resilient attitude. Uh, this is a new stretch. It's, all, it's as predictable as the day is long that you're going to lose some games. But uh, uh, you still don't like, the, you don't like the optics of a 14-point loss to Maryland, and, and you're going to have to correct that. But you've got to correct it one possession at a time. And I think the thing that Purdue has going for it and, is that Matt Painter is a process guy. Uh, they'll go back to their process. He spoke openly after the game about how he's not going to lose confidence in his shooters. 
you know, Mason Gill, the same guy that scored, what, 29 points or whatever he did uh, earlier in the season, uh, isn't a guy that uh, he can still make shots. You know, we saw Brandon Newman hit a couple yesterday. That was a good thing. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer is going through a tough, tough stretch and from a physical standpoint, but I think he'll hit shots too. So, you know, this is a team people have to remember too, also did play well on the road. I mean, Ohio State, when Purdue beat Ohio State, was a good basketball team. It's not a good one now, uh, but winning at Ohio State, winning at Penn State, winning at Michigan, winning at Michigan State, those are four quality wins. Uh, by a young team and I know it's what have you done for me lately and right now it does, the optics aren't good but uh, we'll see if Purdue can overcome that and and take its ne- next step forward talking with Alan Karpik from goldenblack.com here on the Hammerhead hotline Al on the drive in this morning I, I you know try to process a lot of this I, I don't want to hang everything on the officials because I know Purdue's you know couple in some ways one of the things that stood out to me last night uh, I, I flashed back to Earlier in the season, and Matt Painter would talk about, you know, how Zach Eady probably didn't get as many fouls called uh, that he drew that he deserved to. I mean, that that's usually a running thing. Um, and and Matt had made the comments about, you know, he doesn't complain about it. He just goes out there and he plays. And I, I thought about that as I was running back through the game in my mind here. Your, your two biggest leaders here, I think, in Zach Eady on that team and Mason Gillis. And both of those guys last night seemed very verbal with the officials about calls that were being made or weren't made. And I feel like those are two guys that are supposed to calm everybody down and refocus them, and they themselves didn't seem like that they were able to do that last night. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think Gillis had one, one situation where he, you know, it, it, for lack of a term, boiled over. He did what something he shouldn't do, and it's show up the official that's going to cost you every time. And uh, he also admitted that. Yeah, I think Zach Eady is, is fed up. Uh, I think that that's part of it. Uh, he would almost be uh, uh, non-human or not unhuman if he didn't uh, respond. But I agree. I think you got to get back to just getting out and playing. And uh, that, that is an important thing. Maybe Ohio State will give you a chance to, to just go out and do that against a team that's really reeling and get ready, reload uh, for when Indiana comes here. But Purdue can't look past Ohio State, but you're right. Purdue's just got to focus on what it does uh, and, and what it does well. And there's a lot of things this team has done well throughout the course of 27 games, uh, but it needs to get that back. And when you have a game where you melt down uh, like you did in the last period of time against Northwestern and then, and then you've melted down yesterday in the second half, ironically, without turning the ball over, which is crazy in its own right, uh, that uh, that that's what's frustrating, and I and it's clear that that frustration's showing up. And whether some of that needs to be done so that the officials pay attention to it a little bit more, I don't know. Uh, I think Matt Painter is usually pretty strategic about how, what he says and what he does. And when he made the comment on Wednesday before they left Maryland to the to uh, the Mike Carmen and the media, um, I think he had a reason for doing that. And he's right, you know, in terms of the hook and hold, it's dangerous. And that's what you don't want to have happen. Uh, stating the obvious, you don't want to have happen what happened to Isaac Haas back up in Detroit a few years ago. Uh, that's what uh, is the most egregious thing about that. Stop, you know, if you aren't calling some of the bumping, that's, that is one thing. But if you're not calling the guys trying to tangle up and, and uh, give a separated shoulder, which is my biggest fear for a guy like Zach Eady. 
uh, that's another thing. And I think that that's what uh, they're really complaining about. But yeah, composure is cr- critical. And maybe you can get some of that uh, by playing in front of a, a uh, positive home crowd. Uh, I, I think you're seeing a lot of hook and holds, but the issue is they're not throwing Zach to the ground. They're they're hooking and they're holding, but they're smart enough to release him. Uh, they're impacting the play, and the officials aren't making the call. So until you know, it's like pass interference in football. I mean, you know, you do that as long as you can get away with it before the officials yeah, exactly. start before the officials start calling uh, the uh, foul or the penalty. Yeah, and, and again, I, I don't think this is a team that generally, and it's certainly like we've said before, that wants to complain about stuff. I think it just wants to play. But it, it is this. We've seen this before. You know, you go back to A.J. Hammonds. Uh, ever since Purdue's had big guys, we've talked about this in terms of what to, fouls that don't get called for the, against the Isaac Hosses of the world. It was an issue. I mean, obviously, Zach Eady's a different level than both of those guys. But uh, it, this is a similar refrain, and uh, Purdue has to find its way to do it. Now, will it all go away in the NCAA tournament when you see teams that don't play the same way? Maybe. Uh, but you still have to have that confidence going in and get that confidence back uh, offensively. And I think that still comes down to a lot of it. You know, Purdue still uh, isn't playing poorly defensively. Uh, they, they are really struggling. At least they'd have the last couple of games on the offensive end. And uh, that's uh, uh, basketball is about putting the ball in the hoop. And uh, Purdue needs to fix that uh, sooner than later. And the problem with comparing it to Hammonds and Isaac Cause is they were not as big a part of Purdue's offenses as Zach Eady is. I mean, he is the vocal point of that offense, and you know if you're able to neutralize that by able to hold him and and grab him and do whatever and beat up his arm as you saw from the game on Sunday, that really affects the overall Purdue basketball team much more than those teams in the past. No question, and and that's what's going to be a a thing that uh, again uh, a storyline that we got to watch for and. Uh, you know, as we say, I don't know who I think who says it. Brian Newbert says it a lot, but it's uh, nothing as good as it seems. Nothing is as bad as it seems. It seems dark right now. It seems for some Purdue fans that uh, oh, this goal of uh, going to the Final Four is over. Nothing has changed on that front. Uh, this is a team that, like I said, using the Kansas and North Carolina example, Purdue will have to adjust, and it's going to have to get better or it won't get to the Final Four or go deep in the NCAA tournament. But uh, uh, good teams will do that, well-coached teams will do that, and Purdue's going to have that opportunity to fix itself as best as possible moving forward. Alec Carpet, goldenblack.com. Again, if you're not reading it, uh, I, I just don't know what to do for you as a uh, Boilermaker fan. You are just missing out. Make sure you pick up a subscription and the great free content that's there. But uh, trust me, you want that next-level stuff there because they do such a great job of covering everything and getting the inside scoop for you as well. Alan, hey, I always love uh, talking basketball with you on a Friday. Wish it was a uh, rosier conditions to do it, (laughs) but uh, it is what it is, and uh, we always appreciate your insight, buddy. Yeah, we'll look forward. Next week it'll be be a lot to talk about when Purdue takes on Indiana and uh, what will be a memorable night uh, in in Mackey Arena, but uh, Purdue needs to make Sunday a, a memorable afternoon as well before you get to that game. Thanks, Alan. Welcome Take back. Care. This is All the right, Boiler guys. Basketball Thanks Show so on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Back to our Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead hotline we go, and uh, we're going to bring in the man who has his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, who we're not going to point fingers, but missed the last two weeks, and I'm just saying some stuff happened over the last two weeks we're not happy about. I'm not saying they're directly cor- uh, correlated, Nate, but people are saying things. Uh, <laughs> they are. People Absolutely. are saying I things. I, I feel bad. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> you were just in Florida all weekend. Yeah, I got to say, bad. hanging out with Coach Katie, that'll do oh, it to you. Oh, gosh. By the yeah, way, was... how, how is Coach, by the way? You sent us a picture and everything. I saw it on Instagram, too. How uh, is he doing? I thought Coach Katie looked great in Florida. He, he was he just uh, 86 going on 87, and uh, I thought he was great. He was with his lovely wife, Kathleen, and, and they were having a nice time. He played golf. He uh, was interacting with uh, a lot of the alums and donors, and he was. Uh, I thought he was great. How so, many strokes he beat you hear. by? How many strokes he beat you by? <laughs> I didn't play. I, yeah, it's probably a smart thing. Yeah, you don't want to take your money good real choice. quick. He'll hustle you out of that yeah, right I, there. I I, uh, I actually uh, had a fun afternoon uh, running around. Uh, the guest of honor at the uh, tournament was Kevin Sumlin, oh. and uh, and then uh, Tyler Trent's father Tony was there, and. And Kevin and uh, and Tony were going to ride around with Kelly Kitchell and just kind of you know meet the donors and, and shake some hands and take some pictures. And Kip said to me, uh, "Would you like to go with us?" And so I jumped on the back of the golf cart with them, and we had a wonderful afternoon seeing names like Vinny Sutherland and uh, Coach Walters, and of course Coach Katie, Mark Herman. And so it was a it was a nice day. Uh, any day you're riding around the back of a golf cart in Florida is a nice day. So why did we have a Maryland football coach at uh, at uh, Purdue then, huh? <laughs> well, we didn't know it at that time. <laughs> we, we didn't know he, it. He, at did, that he time. wouldn't cut you in on that. I thought you're, <laughs> yeah. you're Hollywood here. Listen to all the name dropping. He can't we, even get the inside info. This is ridiculous. We did. I didn't. I just met him now, Jared. You got to build a relationship. Here. You can't go right. You can't, no, I can't right, go right. You know, right to the throat. Yeah, you got to You know, you know, you're just trying to get a cell phone number. You just can't roll out on the lot and go, you're buying that, yeah. right? Let's go. We're back <laughs> in the office. Let's go. we got to build you know, a rapport a, here. It, relationships are a crock pot, not a microwave, pal. <laughs> I, like that. I like that one. Uh, I don't know, is that a Lee Iacocca? Is that, is that who yeah, gave I that one? I don't know where I got that. I like it. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it, I did feel bad because, uh, it's two weeks of missing your guys' show. And then, we, then you see what, uh, what's occurred here. And yeah. I, I think, you know, you guys, I'm sure have talked with Alan already in the show. I, I think we're seeing, uh, in fact, uh, on our, on our live shows with some of your sister stores, uh, stations that I do for the dealership this morning, I was saying to our, our fan base and the greater office community, do not freak out. Everybody just relax. If you just said at the beginning of this year, <clears throat> You'd sit here on the 17th of February and be 23 and four. I think we all know we would have signed up for that. But I, I think, uh, as I told you guys off the year, the the interesting thing is that just I, I expected a really tough game. I think we all did in College Park last night. But it stings a little more because you needed to get that Northwestern win uh, on Sunday in the in the manner in which that went down. And you know, Coach Painter's quoted in the uh, ESPN article this morning. Uh, saying, quote, we have to be tougher. And at the end of the day, you guys go know that, that, that video in the huddle at IU with Isaac Haas a few years ago that went viral on Twitter where he, he was like, I don't care if they hit you, you know, get the ball. And that's where, that's where I think a lot of things are. It's, you know, even the team like Purdue that had a lead in this league, you know, we've talked about it, guys, throughout the, the, the show all these years. You've been doing the show. This league is brutally tough, and it's going to come up and bite you at some point and uh, that's what's happening to Purdue here it's coming up and biting them and and you know think about it it's we're a long way even from when they had such a great weekend there in Portland I mean it's a long season you know it's it's half an NBA season anymore for these young guys the Braden Smith and the Fletcher lawyers you're getting into the dog days now everybody's seen you at least once there's plenty of film out there on Purdue and there's some film on how to beat Purdue now 
that everybody has, and uh, and we all know the refs haven't uh, done none of the boilermakers any favors. So with that, it just comes down to like everything else in life, but what can I control and what can I not control? And Purdue can control, you know, unforced turnovers, which we saw some of. Purdue can control good shots. Purdue can control, you know, just general aggressiveness, keeping their composure uh, despite whatever circumstance. It's all easy for us to sit here and say, but it is still true that there's a lot within this that Purdue can control. And there was a moment last night after the tee with Mason where, you know, things just go absolutely sideways. And we hadn't really seen that on this team in, in that big of a way. And uh, it's an opportunity for them, though, too. You come back against an Ohio State team that struggled. You get them Sunday. You try to get that one, get your confidence back, and, and get rolling again. And Nate, you bring up a couple really good points. One is everything is in front of this Purdue basketball team. They are an outstanding place to win the Big Ten regular season to have a nice run in the Big Ten tournament as well as make a run in the NCAA. And second of all, when it comes to Matt, I mean, he has a philosophy that, you know, he it is not out of their control, and they have to control the things they want to, but he is not going to publicly show up an official. That's just not his philosophy. You know, he may be extremely upset with how they're calling the game right now, but, you know, he will not show up an official because officials remember that, and it just makes life more difficult down the road. Yeah, Matt's playing a long game here, right? It's about this season, but it's not just about this season. It's about uh, Purdue University, the program that Matt coaches, and his long-term uh, relationship with these guys, as you, as you touch on, Jeff, over the years. It's about you know, what, what is Matt's reputation. He knows that all, all those referees talk to each other, and, and, the, and I think he, at his heart, like Gene was, is a teacher. Now, very different styles, but what I mean is, as a teacher, I think Matt would rather make his points to those younger, newer refs in the league and, and and only really get animated on uh, the right hill. And so, you know, I think he, he, he views it, too, as they're learning, too. Matt's a humble enough guy to realize, does he know things as a basketball coach now at 51, 52, whatever he is now, years old, that he didn't know at 36 when he got the job? The answer is, of course, yes. And the same is true with these referees that, you know, you when Matt came into the league, you had a lot of older referees that have been doing it a long time at this level, and that's that's not what you have. You just don't have that deep veteran bench of long-term referees that you had when Matt entered the league. And so, you know, he's got to, in his own way, uh, and other coaches do too, help bring them along to, you know, coaches can still shape you know, what's the brand of Big Ten basketball? But what you can't have, that I'm sure they talked to the Big Ten office about, is you can't have Zach you know, bleeding from his bicep and uh, and some of the garbage we saw. And you can't have Chris Collins grabbing Fletcher Lawyer's arm. Some of the garbage that we saw at Northwestern, you know, is was egregious, and you can't have it. But refs had bad games, too, and it's still incumbent upon Purdue. Matt has always said, and he said it in postgame last night, that you've got to be 10, 12 points better on the road. Clearly, Maryland uh, did everything they needed to do to to win that game. It was just a rout in the second half. And so some nights you get beat. But learning from the combination of Northwestern and Maryland 
for Mason Gillis and all these guys in terms of, you know, keeping their cool. And Edie was as frustrated in that post game at Northwestern as you've ever seen him. So these guys are getting punched in the mouth, as it were, by a lot of factors right now. And so in, it could be a blessing in disguise, fellas, for this team down the stretch because they're seeing, you know, just how tough this league, the grind of it. It's different than going into a weekend tournament and playing great like they did. It's that grind that wears teams down in the Big Ten, and we've seen it over the years. Teams that start off good, look at that Cody Zeller team with IU that was number one, and they and they go down the stretch and they, they weren't strong enough, and they get knocked out in the tournament. It's, it's that who's toughest at the end. Nate, I would say this, though. Uh, in regards to Matt and his relationship with the officials, he don't want to show them up because he doesn't, you know, they re- remember that, but he's not showing them up now and he's not exactly getting the love. So <laughs> what's, I mean, th- there's got to be a fine line between drawing the attention to it, I get it, and, and not uh, calling somebody's boss and complaining about, you know, what uh, what happened here. I, I get that. And it's a good point because you got to watch how you treat, uh, treat them. But I-, I would say this. Tom Izzo hasn't had an issue with this, and Lord knows Tom is not exactly the nicest guy out there on the court. I mean, there just seem to be some guys that get grace with this, and I, I just don't understand how you can have Matt Painter, the second most tenured coach in the conference, who's by all accounts one of the most likable guys in all of college basketball. You have number one team in the country not getting any love for it. You have the National Player of the Year not getting any kind of love for, for that. At one point, do you just go, Oh, what's going on here? Somebody explain to me well, what we're missing. The, there's also just, you know, in Matt's thought process, for those that have watched it over the years, there's two pieces here. He, he, the piece would be, let me worry about the refs, player A and player B, and you worry about the bad shot you just took and the hustle you didn't get on defense and the bad pass you just made and the free throw you just missed. You worry about that stuff and let me worry about the officials. And so, you know, there's that piece, too. He'll deal with, in his frame of work, he'll deal with the officials. But he, at his core, is never going to let a Purdue team, you know, get dwell on that very long when there when they're are, okay, the refs, the refs blew 10 calls. Yeah, but you guys, uh, you guys missed seven free throws. You committed X amount of turnovers. You missed the block out here, you know, and you took a bad shot. Any of that stuff? Those are the things that he's going to come back to with his players and say that's what we've got to shore up because when we do those things, we're in a position where even a little bit of bad officiating can't hurt us as badly and can't cost us the game. And, uh, you know, that's and, – and honestly, guys, I think referees want the game to be clear-cut enough one way or another so that they're not in a position to have to decide that game because that's extra pressure on them if they make a bad call. You know, they, you know, there's a book I read years ago about score called Scorecasting that talked, had a chapter in it about umpires and officials and how they approach things. And they don't want to be put in that position where a, where a bad call could decide the game because, you know, they, they know they can get it wrong. And so you, you've got to be, particularly on the road, in a clear cut, good enough position that they can't hurt you. Nate Baird, the man with his finger on the pulse of Boilermaker Nation, and now our uh, our, our ticket to Kevin Sumlin talks now, apparently. He's, uh, he's the inside man. He's <laughs> you know, got all the inside He was a lot of fun, and uh, it was just great to hear about that Rose Bowl year and the recruiting process of all those guys that came on the Rose Bowl team and, and his years with Coach Tiller. Got a little, just a little a snippet into that, kind of 
how he kind of discovered Vinny Sutherland uh, uh, almost by accident. And uh, so he was a lot of fun that day. So great to be back with you guys. And, uh, yeah, I can I can report that Coach Katie seemed great uh, in down in Florida. Uh, maybe next Good time news. he goes down there, he'll get us uh, in, in insight to Rod Woodson. Maybe we get yeah, some XFL absolutely. tickets. Vegas Vipers, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Nate Barrett, everybody. Hey, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you so Thanks, much. Guys. See you guys. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Boiler Basketball Show continues. 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com with Jared and Jeff. Uh, big thanks to Nate. Big thanks to Alan. Let's go to the part of the show where we take a look at the week that is the Big Ten. And uh, we're almost done here. What, the, the women only have uh, next week and they're done. Yeah. Shout out to Coach Gerald's and company. Good season. Uh, we've got uh, men's hoops. None tonight because we apparently can't have Friday night or Monday night games. Nope. It just doesn't happen. But uh, Saturday is chock full of good stuff. Illinois at Indiana, that game at noon. And uh, how do you feel about being an Illini fan here for the next week or so? Well, I tell you what, they're so up and down that you never know which team's going to show up. You and I were texting back and forth the other night when uh, they played as bad as they did. But, uh, you know, this is a big, big game for IU because when you look at IU's schedule, they've got Illinois, but then they've got to go to Michigan State and, and Purdue, and then they finish with a couple home games that they should win. So, you know, if if, if they lose at home to Illinois and then – then have to go to Michigan State and Purdue. Uh, you know, you could see IU finishing with a uh, a below five hundred record in the conference. We got Rutgers at Wisconsin. We've got Michigan State at Michigan, and then oh boy, Penn State at Minnesota at nine o'clock. Thank you. At least they put that on at nine o'clock, buddy. You yeah, know, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, that way if uh, you're out at the bar, well, at least you'll have the benefit of having some alcohol if you have to watch that game that's out there. Let's get the Sunday. Action picks back up. Ohio State, 1 o'clock at Mackey Arena, CBS. Uh, you got Maryland at Nebraska after that. And then Iowa at Northwestern is a game we'll all be watching intently and uh, hoping that uh, Iowa can shoot in Welsh Ryan like they do in Carver-Hawkeye. Yeah, you know, Northwestern, I mean, I know they're 10-5 and in a great season and they're in second place. But, boy, when you look at their schedule, they have Iowa, they go to Illinois, they go to Maryland. And they have to go to Rutgers still. So, uh, you know, you could see easily two two or three losses in that remaining schedule for Northwestern. I think you need at least two to feel confident here as a Purdue fan. So, uh, if Iowa would like to step up on Sunday, uh, Purdue uh, fans would be more than happy. Uh, we're going to get to Monday, and Jeff, guess what? We got a game? We got a game! We Amazing. got uh, Minnesota in action yeah. uh, at Illinois at State Farm. Okay, half a game. <laughs> Uh, see, that's one of those like we make the jokes about, and like, all right, fine, here you go, deal with that. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for that. Thanks a pant load, Jet. There we go. Uh, let's go to Tuesday. One game on Tuesday. It's uh, Indiana at Michigan State. That's a biggie. Yeah, that's a big one there. And on top of that, too, don't know what they're going to do with the uh, Michigan State makeups here so far. Uh, you know, th- we don't have anything announced right now. I think for the uh, women's side as a makeup, that's make a little bit tri- with, that's uh, that's much trickier. I don't know if they're going to get to that. So, yeah. But uh, on the men's side, you know, they've got to make up uh, that game with Minnesota. So whether or not that uh, this game stays on Tuesday or they don't try sliding it, it's on ESPN, so I can't imagine they're going to move it. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you what, when you look at these remaining teams and their schedule, I can see Michigan State uh, finishing second in the conference. I mean, you know, their schedule, they have still that makeup game with Minnesota. They've got Michigan, they've got IU, and uh, Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State. I mean, where's that Iowa game at? It's at Iowa, so that, yes. that'll be a tough one. But, you know, we'll see on this one. But, I, 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 I know, can't see it. There's, as we mentioned off the air a little bit ago, there are six games remaining against the six teams that are basically and have a chance of winning the conference. 
not including Purdue being in the lead. And so you're looking at six losses amongst those six games. And then two of those teams still have to play Purdue. So there's a potential for two more. So there's going to be a lot of losses left in this conference. And, you know, if the Boilers get three out of four and and finish the season at, what, 15 and five, I mean, they're going to, they may win this conference by two games. You've got uh, Wednesday action. Minnesota is at Maryland. Iowa is over at Wisconsin. The uh, unstoppable force means the in, it meets the uh, inscorable object, uh, essentially, here. Is, uh, I mean, you know, I was just racking up the points. I mean, yeah, they put up 92 against the high state last night. and uh, But that's great offense versus great defense, and yeah, then bad defense so, versus bad offense. Exactly. So, that, that's, uh, so that's, interesting. that's an interesting matchup. That gets us over to uh, Thursday. Penn State's at Ohio State. Michigan is at Rutgers. And then Northwestern will have to take on the Orange Crush. And, oh, my goodness, will we be big Orange Crush fans on Thursday? I think so. And, you know, like I say, there's potentially two losses for Iowa for Northwestern coming up. So Wouldn't that be great? And you then know, you could have IU coming in on uh, next Sunday. And then what? Wouldn't the wouldn't the trophy be in the uh, building at that point? It's quite possible when you look at the how these games play out, especially if IU loses to uh, either Illinois or Michigan State this upcoming week. And the Boilers have a big advantage because – you know, they play Sunday, and then they don't play again until the game Saturday night against IU. Meantime, IU's got to travel to Michigan State Tuesday night, so I think that's going to help them. But, you know, this IU team is just not look good on the road their last three road games. And uh, they, they they turn it on, and they make these runs, and they pulled the game out against Michigan. I need that, and I need that last prediction, though. I, I need that trophy in, in Mackey it would be that nice, Sunday. Wouldn't it? it would be. Otherwise, I, I think we'll have to wait uh, to get that trophy on the last week of the season against Illinois. I've been big-time Nostradamus this year right who told who was telling you back at thanksgiving that northwestern was uh much better you than were to, i mean yeah. and, and then all of a sudden they lost to pit and then you were like oh, this oh thought, yeah this i thought it was the worst this and team's then, no good and then look you know? at pit look, look at pit right now they're Le- uh, they're the rolling ACC, right? right the cables got them yeah. going and uh all of a sudden that's not a bad loss anymore <laughs> and uh yeah maybe i just uh i jumped the shark a little bit too much yeah, i think there, you might have overreaction yeah. overreaction monday hey we all do that right we yeah. all do that every now and then so there you go that is the week uh, in the Big Ten, I you know, I totally forgot that I was supposed to go down through the uh, actual standings here. So yeah, Purdue at twelve and four, uh, Northwestern at ten and five, a game and a half back, Maryland two and a half back at nine and six, along with Indiana and Iowa. Illinois is three back with Michigan State at eight and six. Rutgers at three and a half back, along with Michigan, they're at eight and seven. Wisconsin at seven and eight, four and a half back. Penn State six and nine in league play, fifteen and eleven. They are five and a half back. Then you've got Nebraska, Ohio State, and Minnesota uh, who are also there. So uh, not only is it an interesting race for number two, but it's also uh, an interesting race for the bottom four there. Three of them seem locked in, and who's going to get stuck with that? Who's going to get stuck with the tab down there at the bottom? Is it Penn State? Is it Wisconsin? If the Big Ten tournament started today, Purdue would play the 8-9, and that 8-9 game right now would be Michigan State-Rutgers. Can I mean, you imagine, how crazy is that? Can you that? imagine Wisconsin playing on the first day of the Big Ten tournament? Oh, well, and it's, How about a high State playing on the first day? High State has not played on the first day of the Big Ten tournament in a long, long time. They've had tremendous success in the Big Ten tournament over the years. Just blows my mind. All right, hey, that's going to do it for us here on the uh, Boiler Basketball Show. Again, big thanks to Alan Karpik, a big thanks to Nate Barrett. 
uh, for being our guest here. Don't forget, you can always uh, replay the show on our uh, Spotify. We've got uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible. I mean, it's basically everywhere there. And you can catch the show every Friday. A lot of replays, a record number of replays again uh, last week. So you guys are definitely into it. We appreciate you guys listening as uh, much as uh, we enjoy sitting here commiserating on a week like this about Purdue basketball. (laughs) So thanks for being along for the ride. We appreciate it. And then we'll see you back here again next Friday on the Boiler Basketball Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com.